Hi. So, um, at its most elementary level, the topic that we are discussing today can be summarized as development versus the environment. Uh, we will try and keep this conversation a little specific uh, to Vidharva, but at the same time, I think it would be uh, just to refer to some examples that have happened around the world. Uh, perhaps uh, also uh, cases like the RA case that is presently pending before the Supreme Court, and we have a parallel of the RA case that happened here, we call it Bharat one. I don't know how many of you are aware of that, but uh, in fact, we managed to get a stay from the High Court here where the RA people failed in the Supreme Court. Uh, but I guess to set the premise uh, for this, I would ask Bitu to quickly summarize this issue in brief and then we go one by one with the speakers. Thank you. Um, the truth is the brief part is the problem <laughs> because the problem is extremely complicated. We threw the British out in 1947 and all the tools that they had to destroy this country were left behind. Since then, calling it development, we have destroyed the only real assets we have, which is our land, our water, the quality of our air, and not just that. The British came over here and built railways, which we thank them for today, but all those railways went from the center of the forest right to the ports, whether it's Chennai or Calcutta or Bombay or wherever it is. Today, we don't need those trains to take them to ports. We're taking them to the nearest, how shall I be polite, to the nearest coterie. That's what the problem is. And the country has been told that this is development, so it's not only the destruction of the resource base, it is also the iniquitous distribution of whatever our resources were. That's one part of it. Second part, Karthik, I would say that if we posit this as environment, or development versus environment, then we lost the battle before we started. I would rather look at it and suggest, not just to this audience, but I would suggest to the Prime Minister, Chief Ministers, Planning Commission, Niti Aayog, that the economy is a wholly owned subsidiary of the environment. There is no question about that. When Raghuram Rajan left last, the last words he spoke almost publicly were, well, next year you're likely to have a good monsoon. So your GDP might go up. What was that? What interpreted that basically means, I don't know what the hell to do. It depends on whether nature wants us to do well or not. Now given this situation, I would say destroying the very foundation, the ecological foundation upon which the country lives is not development, it's an anti-national activity. Today with climate change galloping forward, uh, the process of our discussions will explain this. But let's say if Martin Luther King had gotten up at Selma and said, I have a nightmare, who would have followed him? So we are constrained by the fact that we have to sell a dream. But that dream isn't shared uniformly. And we are a country divided not by politics, not by caste, not by religion. We are divided by access to resources. And that is what we have to fix. And if we are able to do that, I think that 90% of the problem of this question of environment and development will change. Thank you so much, Bitu. That was, uh, nobody could have summarized the issue any better. And if I may now, uh, I would like to go to Prerna and if she may just address the issue of linear projects and how they impact the environment. Um, thanks, Karthik. Um, and I'll, I'll uh, second what Bitu uh, said because, I mean, the premise that 
it's development versus environment. It's just so wrong. I mean, so uh, what we are trying because just look around the room, and everything here is derived from nature. You know, from the I mean, so how do we how do we plan to develop if we don't have safe environment? If we don't have it? I mean, I'll come to your point because I could go on. So linear infrastructure today morning, I woke up with the headlines. That's where they're going to uh, take highways, expand highways, railways, roads through all the sanctuaries of Goa. Now here we are talking of the western parts, which are the water cars of the southern peninsula. We are talking of landslides. We are talking of soil which binds the, the forest which binds the soil. And you know, where is the, where are you doing the cost effectiveness? Okay, what is the, what is the advantage of expanding that road? Who is it going to serve? And I'm going to come to edit seven later. And what is the environmental cost that you're going to pay for it? Will it lead to landslides? Is it, are those um, forests contiguous? Is there a watershed? Which rivers flow from there? Which rivers depend? How many people depend on those forests? Where are those questions that we as thinking human beings are supposed to ask? Right? We just accept it as Bittu said because it is developed. But you are cutting off the very roots on which we depend. And you have an example here on Unit 7. My first question to, for linear infrastructure is what you see by the eye. Like you would have seen those videos or, or uh, photographs of it leopard crushed to death of a poor leopard which is, you know, its back is broken and it's trying to cross across the road of, I mean, I remember we had gone to Orissa and we got there to see the, the mass nesting of olive ridley turtles. So it was around 3 p.m. That's, that happens at night. Um, it's about, and we were coming back. It's a busy highway. We were in a car and we see this dead hyena on the road. We got down and I touched her. It was a her. And she, the, she was still warm. And then we saw her peaks. They were full. And which meant that she had children. She had come somewhere and we spent, I think, till 7 a.m. I had a flight. I missed it. We were going back to Bhuvneshwar to catch it. We were just looking for her cubs because somewhere they were there waiting for the mother who would never return. And this is a very, very busy highway. I think it's NH6 incidentally. And you know, it just we didn't know what we would do if we found those cups. It was many, many, many years ago. I was kind of like kid. And it, that image has never gone from me. You know, just thinking about her cups waiting for her and that. And the trucks and cars and not carrying a damn, just whizzing by. But it's not about just the day. That means is that you have this, you know, if you think of a Persian drug, its value is when it is full. Its value is not when you cut it. It's similar with the forest. When you cut it, its value declines. Because animals can't cross. They genetically can't. It's so the the impact of a national, of a linear infrastructure it is the biggest threat to us today. We are planning to build 40 kilometers of national highway every day. And many of these will go through our forests, we go through our wetlands, we go through our and they will not just mean lot more carcasses of wildlife on a road, it will literally mean the death of wilderness. Just two minutes I'm going to take, just imagine. If wilderness, a road goes in, it's 
छोटा सा चाय की दुकान वो ढाबा बनेगा होटल बनेगा फिर एक पेट्रोल पंप
also what happened to NN7. There is no policy for national highways anymore. It, they are allowed to expand without getting environmental clearances up to a certain extent. Because as Prenda said, these are linear projects, which are projects in a line. So canals, railways, roads, basically anything that's in a line can be expanded without getting environmental clearances. So very, very long tracks, okay? So hundreds of kilometers of highway will mean lakhs of trees that are cut down. And if you're a tiger, you basically have to learn how to cross a highway where the cars are coming at 170 kilometers per hour. You have to learn how to swim because your area is going to get dammed. That's, that's going to happen in Panna for the river utility project. You have to learn how to get away from people and poachers who are trying to poach you. Now, tiger is not equipped to do this. So when we think of planning at the policy stage for railways, for linear projects, we're just thinking animal will somehow adjust. It's actually we who need to adjust because we are the ones making those plans. And typically, if a tiger is there on the road and you're going, and you have your lights on, the tiger is going to freeze. That's what big cats do. They don't run, they freeze. And that's how the collision happens, and that's how they die. And it obviously endangers the people in the car as well. So I'm trying to say that the policy level they has never taken wildlife and environment seriously. It's always seen as something romantic, something luxury. As Ritu said, in an age of climate change, in an age when we're beginning to see scarcity of resources, Amcham Delhi was born there, we cannot breathe in the city. We still have politicians saying that there is no link between deaths and air pollution. Even though Lang said that the greatest medical journal on earth has established not just deaths because of air pollution, but brain cancer because of air pollution. We still have politicians who will deny everything, and they're very sophisticated in the way they deny things. The problem is science does not enter policy, but as a people, we need to ask for specializations where policy is being created. It is not the highways or uh, the road ministry that should decide what happens to a tiger corridor. It, it has to have environmentalists coming in. It needs to have subject specialization. And also in nature, no two places are the same. A good forest will never be the same in two areas. You need very specific studies for wherever the big projects are coming up. So a radio line coming to make her time reserve, for example, needs a different kind of study than for NN7, which, which is a big highway, right? We need to see the rainfall pattern. We need to understand which animals are there. And nowadays, at the policy level, there's this whole talk about building mitigation. But mitigation means maybe making an underpass for an animal. Now, it's also very species-specific. So if I'm a god, I'm not going to cross the road. If I'm a cheetah, I may not take the underpass. If I'm a tiger, I may. So you are dividing the habitat. You are creating a barrier. Animals are going to die. Therefore, it cannot be we're going to make this a mitigate. The first option has to be to consider and study the area to see whether it needs to happen in the first place or not. Thank you so much, Nia. And you touched uh, on the issue of science, and we have incidentally one of the most active scientists with us now. Uh, if I may ask uh, Anish to talk about how specifically the areas around cities like Nagpur, which have literally jungles any direction you go, they get impacted uh, and uh, how and what needs to change in that regard? So first of all, uh, 
we at WCT believe that there is nothing like ecology versus yeah, ecology versus economics. It is ecology for economics. It is for we without ecology we cannot have stable economy. Um, the entire dialogue is based on a wrong foundation called GDP. GDP itself is defined in the wrong way. So we know of four capitals. One is the financial capital, which is what GDP talks about. Exchange of money. So I build this building, GDP will go up. I break this building, I will generate manas of labor. That also GDP will go up. But then we have physical capital, which we all love, our aspirations, which means a house, a car, a road. Then we have social capital, which is human beings. And India has 1.3 billion people, very, very strong here. And finally, we have the natural capital, which is all those natural resources, forests, microorganisms, tigers, elephants, fish, <laughs> whales, all that. GDP definition doesn't take into consideration the liquidation of natural capital to make financial capital. Which means the gold bar, which is natural capital, we are cutting and selling in the market every day, thinking that that bar is never ending. But we all know that there is life only on earth. And on earth also it is finite, not renewable. And we have kept cutting this over the last 300-400 years. And one day, this bar is going to go extinct in a way. And at that point, the economy is going to crash. It doesn't happen overnight. We already see in 2008, the mother of all recessions on this planet. And 2019, within 11 years, we are again in the midst of a recession. <coughs> Unfortunately, most policymakers and also the politicians feel that the answer to this recession is rapid development. So they are saying we will solve all these problems of unemployment by building roads, by making dams and having water going everywhere so that farmers can cultivate. In the urge, we are further liquidating natural capital. So you can understand that we are in a vicious circle. Unless we come out of this, we are going to be doomed. As WCP uh, some of the finest scientists work with us. Uh, they have gone in and actually done a survey of all linear infrastructure in the central Indian landscape, which includes eight states, not entirely, for instance, Maharashtra, the Western Ghats is not part of the central Indian landscape. So it's part of Maharashtra, whole of Chhattisgarh, and all that. So eight states, in fact, Sheetal is here. She has worked on the GIS of that white paper that we've done. Uh, there are 1,700 fourth, I mean, uh, infrastructure projects that are coming in this entire landscape. Of that, nearly 300 projects are coming in the corridors of Central India. These are corridors, when we say corridors, please understand, corridors are not straight lines, like how Wildlife Institute of India has defined them. Tigers don't walk on straight lines, birds don't fly on straight lines. So for a tiger, 
to cover 50 kilometers aerial distance, it probably will walk 500 kilometers to reach there, right? Whole of Western Ghats, or whole of, whole of Central India, has these habitats. So let us di differentiate between corridor and we are reduction of we when we call habitat corridor, we are actually reducing. And habitat for wildlife is not just hanging forest. That is the physical habitat or the physical, but there is a functional part to it, which means uh, agricultural field in the night becomes a corridor for tigers, it becomes corridors for several other animals like frog bear and so on. So first of all, scientists, it is the responsibility of scientists to let the world know that corridor is not a silver bullet that is going to save everything. As Neha and Reina uh, uh, also mentioned, this in underpass and overpass that we keep talking about is again not a solution. It is the tenth best option. The first option is to circumvent. Second best is to not widen anything, whatever is status quo. Okay? Then the third best is to see how learning from our past losses we change the future and come together. So all these line departments, the government has so many different ministries, they have to come and sit together. At the inception of any project, all development projects have to go through the, the environment ministry. People who understand, and this is not just the scientists, there are policy makers who are also willing to pitch in. There are journalists. Prana for one knows how many years has written uh, about these things. They also have a voice because they have traveled a lot. So all those people need to come together and find the first best solution, if not first best, the second best solution, and then mitigations are last resort. There are guidelines available today which need to be followed. WII has come up with a guideline about what needs to be done on railways, and even those are diluted. We have been part of a uh, program, and I must take two minutes because it's important. We had camera traps, so nowhere on earth has any scientific study done for one and a half years before a highway was going to be widened. It has happened in Vidarbha, in India. So with that kind of robust data set, when we went and when these state highways were going to be widened, we went to the forest department. The forest department had told us that this is going to come up. So we want you to do something because as officers, being in the government, we will not be able to fight this. So we said, let's do so we put all those cameras, we have so much data that we can actually tell you that this particular patch of road, a tiger has crossed for more than 100 times. Okay? In the past, when NH7 battle was being fought, WII came up with a plan of elevating the entire road, which scientists don't think is the right way to do it because economically it's not viable. Right? But when we have data sets, that data set when we went and spoke to the principal secretary of PWD. And we said that there actually we need 35 such highways, but we know for sure that this 15 spots we need to have an underpass of a size which was governed by the guideline of WIR. I was told, okay, that's very good. Now, this is 
कोई भी तीन मुझे बता सो दिस वॉज अगोसिएशन हैपनिंग ऑन द टेबल एंड इट वॉज टोल्ड वॉज दैट एक्चुअली तीन कर दो फिर एक बार ये हो जाएगा ना देन वी कैन गेट द अदर फाइनली क्रेडिट गोज टू द एसीएफ एंड द डीएफओ इट्स अ पावरफुल पोजीशन दे सेटिंग अस दे इंक्लूडेड ऑल आवर सजेशंस इट वेंट एंड नाउ आई हियर फ्रॉम पीडब्ल्यूडी दैट व्हेन आई वाज व्हेन वी वर द स्टेट बोर्ड ऑफ आईलैंड द स्टेट सेड दैट पीडब्ल्यूडी डजंट हैव द मनी बिकॉज़ दिस वाज नॉट पार्ट ऑफ द प्लान व्हेन इट वाज डिजाइन बट द स्टेट विल गेट मनी एज ऑफ नाउ आई नो दैट the state is trying is saying that we also don't have the money and so we will not be able to do the entire work is done one and a half years of data set 16 mitigation uh, measures everybody agreed and now they said that we don't have the money we may do just three or four or suggest some other softer ways of doing it like a speed breaker or something like that so that's where it is so science is not again a magic bullet you can never win till you win any and in conservation we say what we lose we lose forever what we win is also not forgotten so because later someone else will start something else so it's a very very difficult world out there and therefore a crowd that is listening to us you should not be mute spectators are happened because 99% of obesity was mute spectator they were sitting on lunch table and seeing talking about the action has to come from the ground animals like tigers birds will never vote and so therefore their voice is never going to be heard it is you who loves and who breathes oxygen drinks water eats food and loves wildlife in nagpur i'm sure 50% of nagpur has visited a tiger reserve you will have to be the voice for wildlife so none of us can do anything these people are fighting policy writing bitu actually he is influence all of us sitting around the table I listen to him. He is sounding more and more pessimistic about things, and which is which is a big statement to me. Thank you so much, Anish. And I think I should let Vitu defend that, <laughs> but but also address. So Vitu very eloquently uh, structured the premise for us. He touched upon the issue of ecological infrastructure. So in addition to rebutting to Anish, if you could address that issue as well, elaborate on it. Anish doesn't need a rebuttal because <coughs> and we are saying the same thing. The point is just this: that if we don't understand that the forest is an infrastructure, then we have to change our nomenclature. We are not Homo sapiens; we are Homo stupidicus. <laughs> because I have never seen a dam that produces water. I have never seen a dam or a road that produces food. I have never seen a dam that sequesters carbon. The point is just this: that at this moment in time, the forest is the infrastructure. Give a very specific example. India is one of the world's largest large dam builders, three thousand large dams. These dams are only good as the catchment area. Catchment means the land which catches the rain and then channels it into the dam through a river. Now, अगर वो कैचमेंट को हमने तोड़ फोड़ कर दी तो होगा क्या फॉर अ मिनट जस्ट प्रिटेन यू गॉन्स्टिट्यूएंसी मोस्ट ऑफ यू आर टू वर्ल्ड फॉर मी यू नो सो हेयर इज वॉट यू डू विद स्कूल नेहा वी गॉट वन बॉय हुट हैड अ सेरेमनी एट होम 
उसकी चुटिया रह गई थी बाकी सब शेव कर दिया था और एक अच्छा तगड़ा सरदार लड़का था तो उसके केस खोल के हमने एक ग्लास पानी उसके सर पे डाला सरदार और एक ग्लास पानी डाला मतलब वॉलेंटरी तो जो टगलू था वो पानी तो निकल गया उसकी बोधी में से थोड़ा पानी दो बूंद निकले और इसके टपकते रहे टपकते रहे टपकते रहे हमारे जंगल का भरपल वही है अगर तो वहां तो बॉम्बे में था मैंने बोला अगर आप अपने देश को टगलू बनाना चाहते तो बनाओ लेकिन फिर पानी नहीं रहेगा सो ऑल दिस इशू वी आर लिविंग इन एन एज ऑफ क्लाइमेट चेंज हेमर विद विच क्लाइमेट चेंज इज गोइंग टू डिस्ट्रॉय आवर इंडियन सब कॉन्टिनेंट people will be water short forget about health forget about all the other things water short the source of water in this area 96% of the water comes from these forests in one go either it is supplied by or it is filtered by if nothing else it is slowing the rain so it goes into the aquifers so every citizen who lives in nagpur must understand you are the protectors of three types of rivers what is the rivers you see what is the rivers that go underground i think everybody saw those when we saw in thailand what happened to those boys we call it the monsoon now all these three rivers are protected moderated and controlled only by the surface vegetation that exists either as a forest source of your water so here is the bottom line of what i would like to suggest for nagpur i said at the yesterday session nagpur is the tiger capital of the world the tiger is not an animal we want to save the tiger is a metaphor for all of nature one day the tiger is a tiger another day he is a polar bear and the third day he is a giraffe and the fourth day he is a tick on his own back there is something called the ipbes report it's not a difficult thing ipbes anybody that types that in will understand that if you talk infrastructure today the biggest problem for infrastructure is the fact that climate change is taking water the biggest cause of climate change is the fact that we put too much carbon in the atmosphere all this was known 12 years ago between 12 years and today what was kindergarten has become phd aaj ke din mein ek suddenly epiphany jo hum log 40 saal se bol rahe hain Economists, scientists, politicians, bureaucrats, academics said, "Hey, who controls the carbon cycle? Carbon, so we have sent it. But carbon cycle, who controls it? It is your nematodes. It is the soil microflora. It is the tiger at one level. It is the insects at another level. The bees, the 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 the, the beetles, the rest of it. Without these, we can't control climate change." so now we come back to one last question one last issue which vinoba bhave ji ne to monrath kiya tha wo to sahi kiya tha strategic kiya aaj hamara monrath hai like we are catatonic log hame khatam karne pe aa rahe hain hum log chup rahe hain look if we do not wake up now and accept that without restoring the catchment areas of our dams Nagpur will be evacuated despite all this I have stronger words to speak I don't want to get political but it doesn't make a damn difference to me which government is in power they are both doing the wrong thing the one that went and the one that doing it now and that that problem that they are doing is bandar kya jaane adrak ka swad they don't know the impact 
of what they are doing and the solution is simple. I'm ending by saying this. I want to give our political system a solution. Our first problem from a political point of view is where do I get jobs? There are no jobs. The second issue for the political system is that agriculture is scaling. The third thing from the political system is that look, these floods and droughts are completely destroying all the economy, all the processes we have. Now you take 40, 50 million people, put them to work to restore the catchments of the dams. Those dam catchments can only be restored by bringing biodiversity back. Those will fill the aquifers, those will pull the water up into the wells. The farm production will go up. Instead of GDP trickling down, it doesn't trickle down, people are trickled on. You know, so then suddenly we'll find that all these all these sops that are given out by our finance ministers, what's the use of producing products that nobody can buy? So we have a system where the GDP does actually rise, health improves, jobs are given, biodiversity is there, and every seed that falls. Who's the youngest person in this room? You? <laughs> youngest person, let me put it like this, that when a bird drops a piece of shit and a little seed falls from it, and it goes into a 10 ton tree, 50% of its dry weight is atmospheric carbon. That's pulling carbon down and is storing it in the soil. Our farms are not dependent upon chemistry, they are dependent upon biology. We have to restore the biology of 6 inches of soil or we will die as a nation. There is no time for debate anymore. We are on the Titanic, it has hit the iceberg. There are some people sitting down having champagne. Some people are complaining, why, why have you got mauve, I wanted pink, why have you got champagne, cold, they serve here. And there are union leaders on the top who are saying, look at this, are they murad loge here? These people are doing So what they are doing, are it chalo, life boats ko kaat ke hum log garam kar dete. Rich and poor, we are both doing the same thing. In the meantime, in the engine room, Anish is sitting there saying, are murad log, yaha paani andar aar hai, kuch karo, kuch karo, abhi karo. Nobody is listening to him because nobody is listening to him. This is a freedom movement. This is not an environmental movement. And I have an apology to make to everybody under the age of 30 years right now. My generation has colonized you more ruthlessly than the British colonized us for 300 years and you should stop that. And the way you can stop that is to get back and understand the flow with nature's tide. Neto bahar mein
we can most uh, successfully turn around whatever wrong that has happened with the nature. Uh, and with that, if I may go back to Greenman, if she may talk about changes that need to happen now in terms of uh, infrastructure work that's happening in the country. I don't know about the infrastructure work, which I'll come to later, but I think the way when we speak solutions, so my um, simple thing is, yes, we need to carry our own bags and stop straws and you know, things like disposables or whatever it be. But you, um, the difference will only come, we are in a democracy, right? Politicians are not going to care unless you care. Anish was just talking about our people were sitting and having, so same in Delhi, we can't breathe. You know, there are advice, please, that children should not go out and play by our mothers used to push us down, hello, kelo, ba. You know, if you don't, and that is when I despair. Optimism, pessimism, ki baat chalti. I despair when I think that other if you don't care that your child's lungs are a functional only a third, and that your schools are being shut, and there's an emergency, and you're not allowed to go out and play, we don't bother. Then how are you going to care about tigers and elephants which seem very far away but are so critical to us all? Right? So what is needed is if like can't green, but jabo Delhi ki lungs bachane ki baat aati hai, to 300 log aate hain log ke. You know, 300 people among the millions will come out to save the green lungs of Delhi or other. Now we are. That is why, why will the politician, I was speaking last week at the, where, where we had two politicians also who were speaking after me and they came back to the same thing that I said that unless the you guys who vote, like it was just mentioned, animals don't vote. We do, we have a voice, we have a homo sapiens or homo sapiens, whatever be the case, depending on our actions. But I think that is one of the most um, problematic things today that it is a political issue, it's an economical issue. And that is something we have to recognize and therefore your vote, make your vote count. Be politically active, be aware of the situation. I mean you don't, you can't change the world. But your action and your voice can make a difference. Get involved in local issues. At the infrastructure level, I mean I go back to what Gita has said, you know, it is there's something that it is it's not even low priority, it's not even at the bottom of the bucket, it doesn't exist, you know, where wildlife and environment is concerned. Because I've served in these boards and I'm, you know, I'm, if I start speaking about it, it's, it's nowhere in the government system. Wildlife doesn't figure it, you know. So, so, unless we, again it comes back to us, unless it becomes part of that, you know, forests and mangroves, sequester 20% of your carbon, which is a fact in India. Um, unless we recognize them as, as contributing to the economy, as, and take it into account, you know, whether we're you know, planning a mine, again at the inception stage, the environment and the ecology of that whole place, I don't think we are going to be able to get anywhere because it has to be part of that. It can't be environment, it can't be boxed into environment. Has to be part of every stream, be it highway, be it uh, roadways, be it minerals, be it water, be it health, because environment is there in every sector. Brain cancer, that's what she said. So it's not a, it's not an environment. When we lose vultures, we are seeing diseases like anthrax, we are seeing diseases like babies. I won't speak, I've taken a lot of time, but look it up. That is the link. Environment is all about health. So 
I think all these issues need to be brought up. It's the job of the communicator to, to do that. Thank you. Um, before we start taking questions, uh, I would like to go to Neha once and then finish with Anish. But if, uh, Neha, you specifically worked uh, in the field of policy and policy change. Uh, what have you seen change in the last, uh, I should say, five, ten years? And is, has it improved or is this over? Most certainly, but has it improved in the last uh, five, ten years? It's really not improved. It's come down many, many notches. I'll just take a minute to explain what make our uh, final plans uh, or, you know, election manifestos or anything. So, for example, why is Delhi polluted? It's polluted uh, partly because of stubborn burning, because a state like Punjab that does not have water decides to grow rice, which grows in standing water. And in order to clear the rice fields, they will uh, burn the crop. So it creates uh, over-dependence on water and it destroys the air. Instead of tackling the issue of um, changing cropping patterns, which is a long process, they are now talking about doing something else. In Maharashtra, which has so much stress of water, sugarcane is grown. And when we don't get enough water, we started talking about taking rivers and joining them together. Forcing a river, breaking its flow and making it forcibly join another river. So we, we try not to solve our problems, instead we try to we create larger fundamentally an environmental question. So we should all agree that places that don't have water should not grow rice. There are many other crops that Indians eat, but rice goes for export and becomes a lobby and sugarcane should not be grown when there isn't water either. Now the river interlinking project is coming up where 30 rivers will be forced to join each other in order to give water for irrigation for agriculture. There's a policy that now says that river water is wasted if it goes to the sea. Okay, now nothing could be far from the truth environmentally because when the river water enters the sea, that is the place where many endemic, meaning point specific fish are there. It's called an estuary, the place is called an estuary, it's a very biodiverse place. So we've had this uh, Many new things coming up in policies which actually have no scientific basis. We also have the National Waterways Act, which is going to make highways out of 111 rivers in India. They've already done it on the Ganga, and the only reason they've not done it in the other rivers is because there isn't enough water. Right? So what is the point of this legislation? It is to make a highway on the river, meaning using the river to transport things on the ships. Now the river doesn't have water, it doesn't have um, the proper channel. So when the river is going in a meander, like a curve, which is very good for wildlife and biodiversity, and that's also the way the river is, they've decided to make it straight, straight channel of water. So what are we doing? We are basically taking environment out of everything and just making a plan, not knowing what a river looks like, not knowing what the sea looks like, all the CRs are changes, the changes to the coastal regulation zone are clearly made by people who are not afraid of the sea. When you're making policies for the sea, you better be afraid of the sea. It means you've never lived near the sea. It means that you're not afraid of what could happen. Why are we making a coastal road in Bombay uh, when, you know, spending 30,000 crores destroying the reef and destroying the shore? Why are we doing that? 
when there's already a prediction that the sea level is rising, should we not use that money to do something better? Do we need to spend 30,000 crores joining one river to the other um, and doing it all over India? Or do we need to listen to environment? To answer your question, things have become worse. And the biggest danger is environmental issues are not seen as environmental. So water is an environmental issue before it becomes an agricultural issue. The sea, the coast is an environmental issue. And it needs to be, as I said, we need environmental specialists making, uh, helping to make these laws. And not just people who build roads or build dams or um, just want to please everyone. You can't please everyone, that's very clear. Uh, we'll start taking questions since we are running out of time, but before we do that, I would like to uh, ask Anish to quickly summarize the solutions that he can uh, come up with. Well, uh, no quick fixes, but two, three important things. Why do we, why do we have sugarcane where groundnut was growing? That is the question. Because people have aspirations. Everybody has aspirations, so you cannot. So when we say that don't go to sugarcane, you are actually telling somebody who was going out and not having profits. Now suddenly starts seeing there's someone else somewhere in India because of internet and everything. They know where what is. Right? So solutions will have to take into consideration aspirations of people. Unless that happens, there will not be enough mass movement to protect our forests and environment. So what is that solution? Have you heard of a word called ecosystem services? Ecosystem services are services like, say water is coming underpriced. Water is the most underpriced commodity. Actually it's life, but it's underpriced. In Bombay, for a thousand square feet flat, you end up paying two to three crores. But for thousand liters of water, you pay six rupees. Right? So when you do that, I am more worried about the house, but not worried about the water. Because I am not worried about the water, I am not worried about the places from where the forest, from the, where the forest comes. So we have to build that connection. That connection cannot come from classrooms. That connection cannot come from movies. It can come through an economic model. And what is called the Payment for Ecosystem Services, PES. There are examples on this planet where a city like Bombay, which receives all its water from Sanjay Gandhi National Park and Tansa Sanctuary, because that's where all our water bodies are, pays so that the life of the people who are actually degrading that land, because they are restricted. See, Taroba became Taroba, and suddenly the life of 79 villages changed because there were restrictions on them. Right? They cannot build a mill, they cannot do a sawmill there. They cannot build a factory there because there are regulations, which means their aspirations are curved because Nagpur receives water and wants water, Pange for instance, directly. Pange gives water to Nagpur. So why will those people living in those villages not destroy the forest? Which means Nagpur or Bombay will have to pay for those people's aspirations so that they can practice agriculture which is more nature friendly. Today, most of our river systems are being polluted. Ganges or Yamuna or any of these rivers you talk, it's all pumped with chemicals by 
So if we had, for instance, if Nagpur pays, if each one of you pay 50 paisa per month, this is an obscenely low number. In a year, six rupees. To the families who are doing agriculture there, because they want higher yields, they are pumping fertilizers, putting pesticides, which is destroying the ecosystem and the canning capacity as well as the water goes. So you will have to compensate them with the money for so that you can do your businesses, have your motorcycles, everything. And it's going to be small amount. That's why deliberately I said 50 paisa. <coughs> that happens, then you are going to change the way those people perceive conservation. And that can be pushed to many. So for instance, Bombay is the financial capital. The Bombay Municipal uh, Commissioner, he has a budget of 42,000 crores. But not any of this is going to Thane, where the lakes are. Okay? So that's the connection. Once we build that connection, people will say, I will grow groundnut because groundnut grows in this kind of soil. And the money that I'm going to get because of sugarcane, I'm going to get from a city which benefits from the water that comes from that landscape which is now growing sugarcane and adding to conflict because leopards will move in the sugarcane in Gujarat. There were no leopards in most areas. Now because of Narmada and all those things, sugarcane has come. There is the highest leopard densities in India are in Gujarat, around here. Okay? So that's the kind of solution that we'll have to do. It cannot be restrictive, it cannot be just protection, it just cannot be tourism. It is have to be an economic model where cities share their profits with those people which are doubly marginalized. Thank you, Anish. I think we take questions now. If, uh, any questions from the audience? The carbon trading solution, I guess. It is just, it's not being done in the right way. But it is, there is a solution. So what I am saying is not carbon trading, where America is not paying India so that they can destroy Amazon. No. This is about India. So if I have to protect Panna and if I have river linking, if they say that a river linking will improve agriculture there, then if that amount of money, and most of this money is also bloated money, you don't actually bring people out of poverty so easily. Right? It is not just by providing water. It is about a lot of capacity building. So all that needs to be integrated. So carbon trading, you can understand the concept, but basically what we need to do is compensate people for capturing carbon from the atmosphere. And it has to be done in a mathematical way, not in an emotional way. Any more questions? My question is just to Anish. Uh, can natural farming help in corridors, like also so, conservation? So natural farming is what? Uh, a step out of organic, like they have the whole, uh, I mean, uh, trees and everything, but they somehow have a system where they uh, okay. benefit so, from having the whole e ecosystem there. Correct. So the answer is both yes and not always, uh, not always yes, because it depends on what you are growing. So what I grow to allow tigers to move can be food for dog and elephant. So what will work for tigers may not work for others. So yes, farming should all be organic. There is no doubt about it. But that not necessarily for corridors. But it's just so that the habitat remains intact and that the soil 
is formed and is not lost to dust storms. That's what. Uh, pesticides and all that, when you do artificial, you are poisoning the ecosystem and your entire food chain gets destroyed. So yes, organic farming helps, but agroforestry can help movement of animals. And so that you grow things which are not food. We say by wildlife law, and he's a lawyer, we cannot date animals. So I cannot tie a cow outside my house to attract a tiger. But by creating these farmlands where there is water all the time, when then you have a crop which is attracting deer, that is also baiting of a kind. So when you do these kind of, when you have to plan, therefore all of us are talking landscape level, landscape level. And you want to do something? Emotionally, yes, but unless it's done at a landscape level where you are involving 100, 200, 5,000 villages, it will not be a solution forever. If <laughs> 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 two quick things. So there are, I mean, so you have farmers who are doing it, what are corridors essentially? See, everything was a forest. Yeah. yeah. So now you have, because of infrastructure, because of farm expanding, footprint, habitation, etc., those corridors essentially link to the forest, right? What? And there are many examples of either being big farmers or places like tea estates, coffee estates. So I know, say, for an example, there's a coffee, a tea estate in North Bengal. Very fragmented forest, huge human wildlife conflict, human elephant conflict. What this coffee estate does is, besides organic farming, which helps other species, is allow elephants passage. Otherwise, elephants are chased everywhere. Any fault, I, I see a ranger sitting over here. They know that wildlife from Harate. What they do is, the minute the elephants come in here, they come around because they know nobody's going to chase them. They have a place where they nest, then they move. Because the forests have become fragmented. So there are many ways. We know that the forest department in next to Velavada um, National Park, which has blackbirds, wolves, hyenas, etc. They took up a thing with the farmers around that you only plant organic So that because we know that the lesser chlorophyll, which is a very pretty major bird, which is endemic, we don't have more than 250 left, left in the world. They go to these fields, they are not confined to that 27 square kilometer of national park. They go to these fields and they are poisoned because of the huge pesticides. So there are many ways it has a huge role to play. But as Anish said, one single farmer, because they are very small marginal farms, is difficult. But I know many good people and a lot of good work happening and I think all of us Thank you so much. Can I have a question? Hi. Uh, is the world, the globe, really warming or cooling? There is conflicting uh, views on this. I recently uh, saw a report on this one that over millennia, the earth has been going through a cyclical warming and cooling cycles. And apparently, right now, we are not really warming, we are cooling. Uh, the consensus is we are warming more than we are Now there are glaciers in the Andes mountains as well and the black carpet
there is there is absolute agreement among scientists that it is human induced. There is no ambiguity there. And another suggestion is actually is a simple, very simple read is the Great Rearrangement by Anita Bosch. It's a 250 page book. And uh, I, I suggest that if you could just read it. Yeah. So uh, the sea level is already risen by a few millimeters, and by 2030, that that will be substantially more enough to cover some of the low lying places and islands on Earth. So there are some island countries uh, like Tuvalu and all these that are very low lying. So they may get covered completely by 2050. Portions may get covered by 2030. So sea level has already risen. And temperatures have gone up by 0.5 degrees in most places. Thank you so much. I think we've reached the time limit. Yes.